How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Hello there, everyone. A joint venture today. We're locking up for episode 24 of Locked on Thunder, presented by the Norman Transcript. Also, episode 14, 13 or 14, we're figuring out, of Locked on Clippers. I'm Fred Katz, and the guy co-hosting for the day is Locked on Clippers host, DJ Foster. 13, 14, who knows? It's something like that. It's okay. It's fine. We shouldn't handle any cap duties anytime soon. 13, 14, uh, who cares? (laughs) Exactly. So here's the quick deal before we get going. Lockdown Thunder and Lockdown Clippers are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can head on to iTunes and search Lockdown Thunder or Lockdown Clippers to subscribe to the podcast. You can leave us reviews there as well. Hopefully they're five stars. If not, maybe you can keep them to yourself. You can find the show and any other Lockdown Podcast. So if you're a Celtics fan, you go Lockdown Celtics or a Magic fan, Lockdown Magic and so on and so forth. You can find those on audioboom.com as well. We're almost at 30 teams right now for one for each NBA team. We're super close. Plus we've added some corresponding NFL podcasts as well. And now DJ, let's get to it. Let's do it. All right, let's podcast. This is, you know, the first NBA podcast I ever did was with you. Wait, is that true? Yeah, Clipper Blog Live. I uh, I took your, your your podcast virginity. You took my NBA blogging virginity. Wow. Yeah. We have a special relationship together. Then you gave me my first NBA writing job. How was it? How was the first the first time for it? My first article was about Willie Green. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's so clipper blog of you, Fred. <laughs> you fit right in right from day one. <laughs> my first it was so clipper blog. It was my first DJ and I wrote for the same for 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 the random Thunder and Clippers fans who are actually normal fans and, and don't read random blogs, DJ and I wrote for Clipper Blog, which was part of the actually, you know what? There's some really good Clipper Blog alums, but it was part of the uh ESPN True Hoop Network, uh when the ESPN True Hoop Network was uh I'd say more prominent uh, than it is right now and kind of in line with, uh, you know, SB Nation and, and those as upcoming networks. But first article, Willie Green and how the, how the Willie – was they trade for Willie Green? They traded for Willie Green. What did they trade for Willie Green? You're the, you're the one who wrote the article. <laughs> <laughs> it was something stupid taking numbers from Synergy about how, like, Willie Green can help their pick-and-roll defense and he couldn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not a big impact player, that Willie Green. No, but Willie Green that year did lead the league in percentage from the right corner. Is that real? Yeah, Willie Green shot 54% from the right corner during his first year at the Clippers. That's that's disgusting that you remember that. You're like a uh, you're like a 6-year-old baseball fan just yeah. rattling off <laughs> stats about a utility player from 1972. That's true. That's true. I used to, when I was really young, I used to be able to just like rattle off Luis Soho's batting average from any given year. So <laughs> that's- that's gross. You're you are like you are genuinely the oldest young person that I know. I think. You know what? I think that's fair. I am kind of a young person. I'm I'm still a child. I don't think I'm a I'm a boy. I'm not really a man either. I'm just kind of like a guy. Sure. Just <laughs> that makes guy. sense. That makes yeah. sense. I think I'm like it's like it's like a really weird Britney Spears song. I'm not a boy. I'm not yet a man. <laughs> 
<laughs> Wonderful. This is, oh, this is a terrible podcast. It's been too long since I've heard you sing uh, Britney Spears to me. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here with you, though, buddy. You want to talk some, some hoops, Skibble? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, so let's 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 talk about the most central topic to both of our teams right now. Blake Griffin has rumors. Blake Griffin always has rumors. There are rumors all around Blake Griffin. Uh, whether they're true or not, people are always talking about Blake Griffin and what his value would be if the Clippers wanted to trade him or whatever it's going to be. Obviously, Blake's got the Oklahoma connections as well. Oklahoma native from Oklahoma City. He went to OU. He's been with the Clippers since they drafted him in 2009. What's your feeling with what ends up happening with happening with Blake this year? Whether they whether he's on the Clippers or not, and I think we probably both think he will be. Uh, but whether he's on the Clippers or not, what's your feeling of what kind of after really the the most troubling year of his career last year? I mean, what do you think ends up happening with him this year? I think he and Chris Paul are both going to exercise their early termination options to become free agents during the offseason. Do you think that's a that's a fair assumption? <laughs> I think that is a very fair assumption. Right, they're gonna go. They're gonna go get that new cap money. Uh, so that's happening. And I think you have to think, okay, how far are they going in the playoffs? If they don't make it past the second round again, I think the Clippers are in serious danger of losing both Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. I don't know how much they love playing with each other. I don't think they dislike playing with each other, but it, it, it still hasn't fully felt like it's connected the way we all expected it to when Chris Paul first came to the Clippers. Um, so I could see them parting ways fairly easily. Uh, now, if they make it to the Western Conference Finals and put up a good fight against, you know, assumingly Golden State, maybe maybe they stick together. But I think this is really the year for Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. How, how do you feel? You know what's funny about the Clippers? And every every year is the year. Like the last three years has been the year, right? Yeah. It's like a Buffalo Bills type vibe. Like, okay, now this time we got it locked down. Yeah, or like in a in a more um, you know in a more in a more NBA centric analogy, it's uh, it's like a Memphis Grizzlies like vibe. Like every year as well, this is the year, or else or else something else is happening. You know, it's funny what a what a championship can do, and I've said this on the podcast before, but it's funny what a championship can do to kind of legitimize your entire process of team building. Like, a process can be exactly the same, but if you had that one random year where you win a championship, then it, it all worked and it doesn't matter. And if that doesn't happen, if fortune doesn't go your way, then 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 it didn't work. Like, like think right. about if the Celtics... I mean, the Celtics got together and they won right away, and then they didn't win again. And, like, let's say the Celtics lose the 08 finals to the Lakers, which they were, they were the best team that year, won the most games, they played the best in the playoffs, they had the best roster, they were the best team. And I'm not arguing otherwise, but let's just say something bad happens. You know, they, they have an injury in the finals and they lose to the Lakers. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, like, we would have been taught – that team stayed together for a long time and didn't win another championship. Like, we would have been saying every year, well, this is the year or else, you know, Garnett's getting old and Pierce is getting old and Allen's getting old and this is the year they have to do it. Um, you know, with the Mavs, they had that one random year with Dirk. Right. Like it's it's funny how having the championship or not having the championship makes us view the ensuing years, even though theoretically everything kind of should be the same from a from a greatening your odds of winning a championship. I don't think this is going to be the year. Okay. I think. Well, you're entitled to your opinion, and I say you keep your opinion where your four star ratings go <laughs> to yourself. <laughs> to myself. <laughs> I I think. 
I think I think they're both going to be back. I think they're both going to be back, and they're going to be okay. So they lose. They don't get past the second round again. You they think can, no, they can they can get past the second round. Okay. They what can get they past don't? the second round. What if they don't? I still think that they're both going to be back. Interesting. Okay, why is that? Is it just because L.A. is really sunny and nice, nice place to live? It certainly contributes to it. Um, I just, I, I. The thing is with with Chris Paul, like maybe maybe Blake Griffin goes. I think Blake Griffin would be more likely to go elsewhere than Chris Paul. Okay. Um, if only because this is this probably won't be Blake Griffin's last max contract, and it very possibly will be Chris Paul's last max contract. Mm-hmm. And the Clippers are going to give him that full max. And I, I just envision a scenario in which he could just want to soak up every dollar possible. Because that next contract after this one may not make up for, you know, the 4.5% raises he'd get if he took a max elsewhere. Right. Um, so so I, think, I think Chris Paul will end up coming back. I also think Chris Paul doesn't really care as much about the, the, the lack of, of broiness in a locker room with guys like him. Because I don't think that's ever really been the case with him. Yeah. Like, it's not like he went from a New Orleans team where he was best friends with everybody and went to the Clippers and there have been, you know, tame, maybe sometimes overblown, but still existing issues. Right. He's got his banana boat bros. He's fine. Yeah. He's good with that. So I I think, I think, I think Chris Paul's going back. I, and, and I just, I struggle to see like a better scenario for, for Blake Griffin. It would certainly seem that way, but I think we've seen guys get tired of, Losing situations, doing the same thing over and over again, like the Groundhog's Day thing of losing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. I can kind of see a change, which I, I, I do think they need to make the Western Conference Finals in order to keep Blake Griffin and Chris Paul. Now let's assume, let's assume here, Fred, that Blake does decide to leave. Is OKC the legitimate destination for him? You know, people say that OKC is a legitimate destination for him because he's from here. Yeah, he's never really given an indication that he wants to come back here. Like I've, I don't know if you have, but I, I've never heard from anybody that like Blake Griffin wants to come back to Oklahoma City. I feel like we just kind of have an obsession with NBA players going home, right? You know, because LeBron went home and now Dwayne Wade went home. Like the banana boat players go home, I guess. But but Blake Griffin's not a banana boat guy. Um, I guess Mello, yeah, Mello went home, so it really is the the banana boat guys. Um, but but I don't. I don't know if OKC. I mean, look, the Thunder haven't signed a legitimate free agent really ever. Like, do you know the biggest contract that they've ever given out to another team's big free? Hold uh, on, let me play. Let me play. Let me okay. play. Okay. The biggest, the biggest contract to another team's free agent. Right. So, like, Tanner doesn't count because okay. they traded for him and then retained him. Uh, Anthony Morrow. That's very close. He's second. Who's first? Nenad Kristic. Wow, I remember that signing. Yeah. Three for 15. In, in That's like eight years ago. That was a lot of money back then. Yeah, that was eight years ago, though. So in eight years, over the last eight years, since Kritzich, the biggest contract they've given out is three for 10 for Morrow. And the final year of that was non-guaranteed. Yeah. So, like, they, they don't bring guys in. And, like, maybe it's different because Blake's from Oklahoma. Um, but but you it's just... Good, you got some good steakhouses out there, right? Yeah, there's some good steakhouses. You got Red Prime Steak. You got Mickey Mantles. Okay. You know, some good steakhouses. I don't know how Blake feels about steak. Really? I don't know. I mean, he's a big guy. I'm out on anyone who doesn't enjoy a good steak. I'm out on them. Trade him now. Cut him, actually. I, 
Blake seems more LA to me than he does Oklahoma. Like he he seems to me like he would have a greater chance of being a vegan than your average Oklahoman. Okay, so we're talking about like pates maybe and like some some nice leafy greens. Yeah, lots of kale. Okay. Kale that's, and quinoa. That's disappointing. Yeah, that's this is this is wild speculation. So but, do you think it's just not part of Oklahoma City's design to go after free agents? Like that's just not what they think the market I don't think it's not necessarily. I don't think it's necessarily part of the design. I just think they they anticipate that they're not going to be able to bring in free agents at the rate that other teams can. Gotcha. Um, and and maybe part of that is they don't want to just. Maybe part of it. Maybe they don't just want to spend time and resources going after something they deem unrealistic because that whole front office operates under probably like the the concept of probabilities as much as any other front office in the league. And maybe they just figure their probabilities of bringing in free agents are so low so they don't go after it. Now, it doesn't have to be so black and white, too. If they think they have yeah. a good chance of Blake Griffin, obviously they're going to go after Blake Griffin. I just, I just, I mean, maybe he wants to go back, but I just, we haven't seen any indication that he does or that other people want to want to come here, too. He's at least giving OKC a meeting. We can, I, I'm comfortable saying that. Yeah, I think he'll give him a meeting only if only for for PR perspective. Right, like it looks good if he gives the Thunder a meeting. Okay, so if Westbrook is still there, Westbrook and Blake together is. I mean, is there a more explosive one four combo in the league at that point? No, that's no, a I, that's an easy fifty win team, right? And there's oh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a fifty win team. Especially, and with, oh, and all Adams the other too. Size. Adams is so good. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Adams is so good. And he's also a really good athlete. I mean, he would just play the DeAndre role in that sense. So if you're looking to leave Los Angeles, OKC's pretty high up there for both the coming home and the the roster that they would have in place. Right. The question is, does he want to come to Oklahoma City? I mean, because that's the thing. The issue has never been with the roster in scoring free agents here. Like, the the rosters, I mean, they they win 55 games every year. The only time they don't win 55 games is when Durant got hurt. I mean, they're 55 games and basically in the Western Conference Finals. They've been in the Western Conference Finals every year. They haven't, they've had Durant and Westbrook healthy over the last six years. Like four out of six. One year Westbrook got hurt. One year Durant got hurt. So it's never been an issue with the roster. It's there are clearly other issues. I mean, you know, Pau Gasol was the most like outward about why he didn't want to come here. Yeah. Um, other guys have either spoken privately or cryptically and whatnot. Pau Gasol was just like I just said, like he wanted to go to a city that had more culture and more Pau Gasol type things. Right, <laughs> right. More Palgasol type things is a good way to word that. Do you think the Clippers and the Thunder are two of the biggest dynasties not to have rings over the last? You know, if you t- if you take these last, like you said, these last like six years, or since whenever Chris Paul came to the Clippers, these are two of the best teams we've ever seen in the NBA to not have rings, right? Yeah. What else? What are the other teams that you think are in there? In that, oh, that's that's a really good question. 90s Jazz. 90s Utah Jazz, Jazz, of course. Um, I was talking Sonics about this with, during yeah, that time. Yeah, Matt Moore said the Sonics. I mean, the, the, the Peyton Kemp Sonics were explosive. Oh, yeah. But who else? Who else are we looking at here? It feels like every other, like, really, truly great team, like, got got its ring at some point. Eventually got one, right. Yeah, like, if they, you know, the the Mavs, the Mavs, you know, had some 60-plus win teams. They eventually did it. Yep. You heard it here right. first. 
Yeah. Fred Cat says the Clippers are winning the championship 2016-2017. Seems like most other teams I I'm not a good enough historian. I'm trying to think if there's anyone like the Rockets, the Rockets would be the one from the 80s, but yeah. they they won in 94 and 95. Right. Um like they eventually got there in the Jordan retirement years. So so I don't know. I mean, you, yeah, the Pistons would also be the ones from the 80s, but they won 89-90. Maybe the Lakers during that Celtics stretch? Yeah, yeah, but they, they won in 72. Right. But so, I guess that was without Elgin Baylor. So, so we're talking about teams that just never never got a ring. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could just say Elgin Baylor in general. Elgin Baylor, man, the year before he came in the league, the Lakers won the title. He went to the finals eight times, lost to the Celtics every year, then he retired, and the Lakers won the title. And then he worked for the Clippers for a long time. That's like... That's man. That man, that's is, a, that man is cursed. Star-crossed life, for sure. That man is cursed. And an outrageous player. One of the most underrated players ever. Yeah. Absurd player. But, ugh, so he is... That, that's such a cursed resume. And then he was the Clippers GM for for like a gazillion years. He went, he went like 11 straight years without making a midseason trade. That's one of oh. my favorite Elgin Baylor facts. Because he wasn't allowed to. Yeah, because Sterling wouldn't. Sterling, Sterling wouldn't let him play with money. Uh, uh, but yeah, a, like eleven straight years without making a trade in the middle of the season. What a what a weird what a weird job to have, right? <laughs> to be a GM for an owner who won't let you do anything. <laughs> yeah, like, and and like, like, what's the point? And like for so long too. Like he was the longest tenured GM in the league when he left when Dunleavy took over for him. Yeah, he was around forever. Yeah, long yes. time. Sterling didn't let him do a thing. Poor Elgin Baylor. Oh, did you listen to Doc's podcast today? Uh, I didn't. I just saw the the highlights from it. Mm. Yeah, Doc was on Woj's podcast today. It was good. It was very good. He talked about. He said that Kevin Durant's people said that he told the clip that Kevin Durant's people told Doc that the Clippers were top three for Kevin Durant. I don't even understand why they would need to tell them that. Like there's there's no there's no top three there's no pride in being third place if you're first you're last well 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 Doc last. I think Doc Doc phrased it as in he was trying to figure out if they should sign their guys and clear up cap space or or if they should wait it out for Durant I don't I don't want to hear these excuses no. <laughs> this is this is Ricky Bobby basketball I like it it is funny though when we hear about like where teams placed in the sweepstakes like who someone on the Celtics was it Jay Crowder someone on the Celtics said that they were the runner ups for Kevin Durant yeah like who's deciding it right and right who's deciding it and what does it matter I've never now granted I've never been courted for a job by by plenty of multi million dollar you know companies but well that's just that's just not true Fred <laughs> that's true Clipper Clipper blog and the Norman transcript are worth a lot more than you think. Are you trying to sell yourself as as a humble person to these these nice Oklahoma Cityans? Yeah, it's I, I have to I have to integrate myself into into Oklahoma City by doing that. I just I just spent like fifteen minutes talking about how no free agent wants to come here, so <laughs> I have to compensate. Okay. I have to compensate for that. I'm like the, I'm basically the biggest signing Oklahoma City's had in a long time. Wow, that's. That's really we went from from way way too humble to to not nearly humble enough. <laughs> so to just not only not only not humble but just 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 incredibly inaccurate. That was that was a wild swing of affairs. Yeah. I gotta let you know. It's volatile emotions going right now. So what what what's your feeling for the season that Blake has this year though? Because. 
Blake obviously last year he, he broke that he, he broke the hand when he when he punched Matias Testi. Right. He, he got off to an amazing start to the year. He looked great. Yeah. And and people forget how incredible he was in the postseason in twenty fifteen. Like he was absolutely ridiculous. Putting up I think twenty twenty four was twenty four, thirteen and seven in the postseason. Yeah. And and a triple double tri- like people talk about him not stepping up in big moments. I mean, dude I Triple double in a game seven against San Antonio, um, like he he was so incredible. Even when they're in their loss to Houston in the West in the Western Conference semis, like he was incredible during the postseason. He was arguably the best player in the postseason. What kind of year does he have this year? Because last year it was coming off that it was kind of high in the postseason, then a low. Then he was still shooting all those mid range shots, but he was playing really well during the regular season before he got hurt. He never really regathered himself when he came back. He'd never looked a hundred percent, got hurt again. Um, what kind of year do you think he comes out and has? Yeah, I don't think he gets enough credit for his work ethic. I feel like every off season he adds something new to his game and looks really good at it and spends just the first half of the season focusing on that. Like I said, it was like the mid range jumper and that became his biggest weapon. Um, so he's just always adding something in the off season. I think this is the year we see three point Blake. I think that's a really good prediction. Because he has the range on his jumper now, and he's just like a couple feet in on a lot of his shots now. And last year, let's see, last year, he was a 33% three-point shooter, but he only shot uh, 18 threes on the year. Right. I think, I think we could see that number climb up into the 90-100 in that range. I wouldn't be surprised. I think part of Blake not taking threes the last few years is more mental than physical. Like, I think sometimes, I think he's had the range. Like, how many times do we see him just naturally catch a ball off, like, a, when he pops off of a screen and put up a shot when his heel is on the line? Like, if you can make that shot consistently, then, yeah. then, then you can make a three consistently. But sometimes, like, for whatever the reason, and honestly, I'm like this when I play pickup. Like, I, I'm not... The only somewhat positive trait that I have on the basketball court is I can hit, like, an 18-footer. But if I stand behind the three-point line, it just kind of messes with my mind a little bit, and I can't quite, I can't quite hit that shot because I feel like I can't hit a three. And do, you, do you play ones and twos when you play pickup? Uh, I'm not good enough to be the one who decides it. So... <laughs> <laughs> but typically, is it is it a two and three game? Or when I, when I played, when I played, I don't, I haven't played pickup since moving to Oklahoma City. But when I played in New York, we would do twos and threes. Okay, see where I play, it's almost exclusively ones and twos. Oh, so threes are even more valuable. So yeah, if you're taking an 18 foot jumper, like I'm strangling you after the game. Yeah, <laughs> it's worth double. That's that's like all I'm doing. It's funny because the way that I play pickup is the exact opposite that I advise any actual basketball player to play. <laughs> like my style is is just it's reckless and unskilled and I exclusively take inefficient shots. Sure. <laughs> because why not? Yeah, I mean not it's just the only way that I think I'm physically capable of doing anything. Like inefficient for everybody else is the most efficient version of myself. You're finding the market inefficiency and efficiency. Hey, there you go. That's it. I'm really, I'm really carving something out that our brains can't even comprehend. I think, I think we're going to see three point Blake though. I, th- I think he sees, he, he's watching what Golden State was doing and why they were so good, and he sees Draymond shooting all these threes. And I think he's realizing 
you know what, I'm as good of a shooter as Draymond. Let me step back. Let me shoot some threes and, and take this offense that's always a top five offense. Let's take it to a whole nother level this season. Blake is bright too. He is. Like he Blake is. Blake realizes what where the game has headed. It's not where the game is heading anymore. It's where the game has headed. Right. And uh, you don't necessarily need a four who shoots threes, but it, it, it helps so much. So you have a four who shoots threes. And, and he's been he's been shooting threes in practice at a really high efficiency for two years now. Yeah. That's why I say the whole just feeling comfortable with actually stepping behind the line. Because like he's been shooting threes in practice for two years now. And there there are people within the Clippers who like would are not necessarily staunchly pushing him to do something he's uncomfortable with, but want him doing it. Um, you know and, what that means too? What? More Ralph Lawler bingos. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you think Oklahoma City fans like Ralph Lawler or do they hate him like every other fan base seems to hate him? I don't know. I, I have never asked Thunder fans what they think of Ralph Lawler. Every fan base hates Ralph Lawler. I think people hate Mike Smith more than they hate Ralph Lawler, though. Yeah, I think so, too. I like Ralph Lawler. Uh, I, I don't understand how you couldn't. He's such a nice man. And he's got such a cool old-school vibe, man. He holds a microphone the entire game. He does the Dirk. Or how Dirk, can you Dirk like does that? the Lawler. Yeah, I know. I don't think basketball fans always appreciate that he is Lawler's Law, too. Like, I hear people reference Lawler's Law all the time who probably have no idea who Ralph Lawler is. Mm. So It's, it's going to live on beyond his beyond his legacy. Yeah, well, Lawler's been... When did Lawler start with the Clippers? 80, I mean, a, a bajillion years ago. Yeah, early 80s. We'll say early 80s. Like, legitimately around the time Sterling bought the team. Yeah, I think it was even earlier than that, dude. Yeah, because I guess he was in San Diego, wasn't he? Right, yeah. So he oh, was doing, man. like, I think, like, 70s basketball. Man. I know. That's a long time. It's a long time. That is such a long time. Question. Yeah. Would you rather be the Clippers or the Thunder right now? Would I rather be the Clippers or the Thunder right now? I think that's that's a closer question than, than a lot of people, I think, would assume on the surface after losing Kevin Durant. I think the easy answer is the Clippers. They are they are really close to losing. If they lose Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, there's no draft picks coming. They've traded away. They've traded away multiple draft picks. There's no young guys on the roster that you're really excited about. Maybe Bryce Johnson turns out to be a good player. Maybe not. But the, they, the, the the team would be decimated if they lose Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. Um, so I think it's a lot closer. Uh, then you would assume. I would say just because they have two stars to one star, I, I, I'm still going with the Clippers. But it could get really bad for the Clippers soon, which is scary. I'll say the Clippers. Yeah. I would rather be the Clippers. Just because I, I don't think the Clippers are in a position where they need to trade their star. They don't. They, they can go for it this year, hope they have some real legitimate playoff success, and really kind of push all the chips in once again, and maybe even trade for Jeff Green again. Who knows? <laughs> and that's and that's part of the big market privilege that they have. I don't think they need to be scared enough about losing their stars to the point of not being able to keep it. Um, right. They don't and, need to sell them off. Do you think? Do you think Oklahoma City's there with Russ yet? Well, if I, I, I'm I'm of the camp that if Russ doesn't commit to coming back, like if he doesn't actually sign a contract, I think they should trade him. Um, like even, even if he gives them a verbal commitment and says, yeah, I want to come back, but I just want to be a free agent in 2017, I would trade him. You're, yeah, that is still pretty worrying. 
It's worrying. I mean, it, look, I, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't trust his word. I'm just saying that people change their minds. Like, what if, what if Russ? I've, I've said this before. I think if the Thunder wanted to work off verbal agreements and verbal commitments, they probably could have gotten one from Kevin Durant at this time last year. Uh, you know, okay, Russell Westbrook could say right now. I, if he wanted to come back, there's no reason not to believe him. He, right. would, he would want to come back, but, but. You know, what if the Thunder have some injuries or guys have down years or maybe they're not as good as we think they are and they win 37 games and Russ decides, eh, I don't want to stay here and play on a 37-win team, and and he, and he goes next year. I mean, that would be like – that would be a totally reasonable thing for him to do. But right. then all of a sudden the Thunder are losing him and Durant in back-to-back off-seasons for nothing, and I just don't think the Thunder can take that risk. Like people talk about how Russell Westbrook's trade value is down because there's only a year left on his deal, and obviously you'd rather have two years of Russell Westbrook than one year on a, on a rental, but his value is still insanely high. Like yeah, you can still net a ridiculously good haul for him. That's not an incorrect point when people make it, but it's an irrelevant point. Yeah. Like, it's first of all, it's still more than the nothing they would get if you walked in free agency. And second of all, it's still a ton. It's not like, oh no, now you're just going to get like a second round pick for them. Like, you're still going to get a ton. You're going to get so much. You're going to get young studs and really high picks if you trade Russell Westbrook, for sure. So it's not like they're going to be unable to field an offer if Russell Westbrook doesn't commit by the start of the year. I mean, once the extension date in, in October. So. I mean, you don't have to trade him today, but yeah. but if he if he doesn't want to if he wants to extend, amazing, yeah, that's that's great. Um, but then he can continue clowning me in press conferences for years to come. <laughs> but but uh, but but if he doesn't, I just I don't think the risk is worth it. The downside is so extreme. The downside is extreme. I really do hope he stays though, because I think just as an outsider. Uh, for your listeners, just like an outside view of, of Oklahoma City, there's like a cool, scrappy underdog vibe to the Thunder now that, that never was there before. And to have Russ leading that is so fun. Like, I'm legitimately excited to watch Thunder basketball this season. And they have good young players. Right. It's And they got the narrative of taking on the super team, and it's just like Russ against the world. Like, I love it. I love it. I you want to hear you want to hear my my totally baseless irrational sports fan prediction for this always, year? Always, always. I think the Thunder are going to beat the Warriors one time this year. Like in a regular season game? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I don't know if they look like a one eight matchup in the playoffs or two seven matchup in the playoffs would be awesome, but yeah. that would be an unbelievable series. But uh, I think I think the Thunder at some point are going to have like a a big win over over Golden State. So they'll play three times? Is that how the scheduling works? Yeah, nope. yeah, yeah. Times. Okay, so they'll probably lose the first one. I think they can catch them on the second one when, you know, we've already done the the Durant versus OKC thing and maybe it's not, not as exciting. I think, I think regardless of the order, I think they're going to win Durant's first game in Oklahoma City. Oh, the first game in Oklahoma City. I think they'll win. I, I don't know. You know, we don't know what the order is going to be, whether the first game will be in Oklahoma City or in or in Oakland. But I think the first the first time they come to Oklahoma City, Thunder are going to win that game. Does he get cheered or booed? Mix of both with boos, probably mostly drowning out the cheers, but still a faint sound of cheers. Uh, hmm. But I don't think it's going to be a Chris Bosh situation where he's still getting booed in six years. Right. 
Right. I mean, Toronto, Chris, Toronto fans are notoriously, uh, <laughs> they don't forgive easily. Yeah, yeah. The North, the North remembers. Yeah, well, like, Vince Carter still can't even set foot in that city. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, but, but I think, I, I, I think Kevin Durant has done, look, obviously, if you're a Thunder fan, you're going to be upset right now. But it, Kevin Durant's done a lot of good for the Thunder, and he was a really... You know, he was a good member of the team, not just from a basketball perspective, but from a building up the organization perspective and building up the city, too. Yeah. Just from, like, his charitable donations to the city and donating a million dollars to Tornado Relief and, and like, really contributing to, to the development of, of what's, what's a more developed city now than it was 10 years ago. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> you're booing me now? No, I'm just, I'm just booing. <laughs> Still booing Durant. <laughs> Even after all of these things. I'm getting booed on my own podcast now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm with but you. But I, I think over time, that stuff, that's the stuff that, that gets remembered. That's, that's the logical reaction, but I don't think, I don't think you cheer or boo with, with, your, with your logic. It's, no, it's, no, not, not, definitely not immediately. But I do it's going to be over, so emotionally charged. I think the boos are going to be resounding. That's possible. I, I mean, I, I'm talking about down the line. I'm talking about you know, like like Bosch was getting booed in like 2015. Right. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think. And I think down the line, Kevin Durant. I don't think he's going to get huge cheers. But I, I think down the line, when he comes back, like I don't think he's just getting booed out of the gym every time he comes back for the next ten years. You should write a column in the paper telling fans what to do. Fans love that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 they love it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wait like like 30 years and then write that column so I can then be the stereotypical old white guy writing that column. Perfect. And then and then it'll it'll really fit. It'll really fit the aura that I'm going for as a journalist. You're not you're not far away from it, my yeah. friend. <laughs> <laughs> I I do have I do have a little bit too much Costanza in me. <laughs> you you have just the right amount of stands with you. Did I tell you about that time that I did? So you remember the when there like the face recognition thing was big on Twitter, where there was like this bot that you'd put a picture in and it would tell you what celebrities you looked like. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, George Costanza was mine. <laughs> <laughs> did it say George Costanza or Jason Alexander? It said George Costanza because it's the same. It's the same person. That's so demeaning to Jason Alexander. I know. I'm sorry. He's a, he's a wonderful guy. <laughs> it said Jason Alexander. That's, uh, that's got to be so upsetting. Like, can you imagine if Jason Alexander used that that Facebook technology and they put it in and they just said he looked like George Costanza? <laughs> like, that's got to be so disappointing. He's like, that's me. Just say my name. Like, or, or worse, he puts it in and it says he looks like DJ Foster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who the not, hell is that? Not, not oh, DJ the running Foster back. Is. Not the running back, the other DJ Foster. Right, the other one. Right, the, the less talented one. Last question for you. Yeah. Better better bench, Thunder Clippers. Better bench, Thunder or Clippers. Uh, all right, well, let's go over the bench. Let's go over the bench. Okay, so let, well, I'll start with the Clippers. So we're looking at Austin Rivers, Jamal Crawford, Wesley Johnson, Mo Spates, and Brandon Bass. And Ray Felton. And Ray Felton in there somewhere, too. Okay, well, what do you got for the Thunder? The Thunder, we got Campaign, Alex Abrinas, Anthony Morrow, Cantor, uh, Sabonis, uh, and Kyle Singler. Hmm, okay. Cantor's, we can, we can agree that Cantor's the best player on, on both benches. Um, yes, we can agree. Yeah. Okay. 
So that helps. So the best the best six man goes to Oklahoma City, and I feel like that at the end of the day is is one of the more important things because you know you're finishing games with your starters and maybe maybe one guy one or two guys from the bench. And I think I think Canner's going to be better this year than he was last year too. And I thought Canner had a good year last year. Right. Like, so Kanner, what what is he now? Like 20, 25? 24, 24. 24. I mean, in, in in big man years, that's just a that's a pup. Yeah, and and he got progressively better defensively last year too. Now look, he's he's still very far from the all defense team, but he sure. he got he got progressively better. Like he was not the worst defensive player in the NBA last year. Yeah, um, and he was significantly better in May than he was in September, or I should say in October or November. Like he was a better player, and I don't see why that trajectory that trajectory can't improve like look he's never going to be a great defensive player but yeah uh because he's he's just not quick away from the rim and there are just a bunch of reasons why he's just not great guarding space but um he he's been better and if he can just work his way to being playable against teams that like to space the floor to where maybe he can play four for an extra five minutes a night uh that's a big deal like that 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 would be really helpful so i i think he's going to be better this year i don't see why that trajectory can't continue yeah i i think you're right and campaigns a really nice young player. Just had foot surgery. When is is he going to be ready for regular season? They say he's going to be ready. They seem very confident that he's going to be ready for the start of the season. So I, I really liked him a lot last year. I'm a little worried about the wing rotation. Yeah, I lo- it, it I love depends Mario, on how Abrinas is. Yeah, I don't I don't know what to think of Abrinas or Singler. Um, but but Mario, we know we know what Mario can do. Incredible shooter. I'm going to go with, uh, man, it's really close. That's a really good question. Um, it, it is close because I couldn't figure it out either. And I was like, yeah, I'll just ask DJ. Well, that's, that, was, that was your first mistake. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Clippers, uh, but, but barely. Just because I don't necessarily trust Austin Rivers quite yet. <laughs> Wait, and you're going with the Clippers' better bench? But better bench. I'm saying the Clippers have a little bit of a better bench. Um, I really like Brandon Bass a lot. And I just I haven't seen enough of you know Arenas to to project what what he's going to look like as an NBA player. And Sabonis too. Right, Sabonis. I like Sabonis. I think he is the adjustment period, getting used to the speed and the athleticism, is going to take a little bit of time. Think about how good his dad would have been if he were born like twenty five years later and played in like today's style of NBA. Right. A lot of people said that that prime. Uh, Arvidas Sabonis was was the best center in the NBA hands down. Like would have been the best center in the NBA hands down. And I think he would have worked better in 2016 basketball than in 1996 basketball. Right. Have you ever looked at the the, the highlight tapes of Sabonis just giving it to David Robinson? Yeah, he was amazing. It's an all it's an all time YouTube lookup. If 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 you haven't seen that, if you haven't seen Sabonis dominating David Robinson in the Olympics, uh, go go watch that. He was incredible because he was what seven two. Right, and he could he could really move when he was young. We got the multiple knee injury, um, you know, smoking cigarettes after games, Sabonis. Right, but that Sabonis still averaged like sixteen eleven and was very good defensively and shot threes. Right, but imagine what he looked like when he could jump and run and dunk on people. Yeah, no, I mean, look, he was he was. That's why that's why I'm surprised that more people don't compare Porzingis to him. Ooh, that's that's interesting. 
Yeah, I mean, I, no. Everyone says that Porzingis is Dirk. Isn't he closer to Sabonis? If we're gonna, just, if we're gonna compare him to another white European, I had not even uh, considered that. I think the the size differential is what because in our in our mind's eye, Sabonis is the two eighty, two hundred ninety pound center, right? Right. And, and Porzingis is you know one hundred sixty five soaking wet. Right. Uh, so it, it's not a comparison you would naturally make just on body types, but skill wise, I mean, I think you can see a lot of it. Yeah, skill wise, stylistically, where they where they're optimally going to be on the floor, like where Sabonis would have been on the floor if he played nowadays. Like I, I see a lot of it. Yeah, the big difference is just that Sabonis was just, his shoulders were huge. And so was, I'm a big I'm a big Gonzaga fan. So I've seen a lot of young Sabonis. What do you think of of Demontis? Uh, you know, I think he's a four. I don't think he's a five. Yeah, I've been saying that too. I think he's going to play more four. I think he's a really good passer, uh, a very good shooter for his size. Um, you know, the thing is, I, I'm a little concerned with with his movement. Um, he is he is a decent athlete, but not an otherworldly one. Um, but I think you're, super, you're you're concerned with his movement a little bit. Yeah, that's I, interesting because I I don't get that. I think his future is is as a four because I don't know that he can be a great rim protector um, in the NBA. I think he's a four. Um, I but think, I, I, I think am he has just really quick to see how well he, he moves laterally. I think he has really quick feet down low. I hope so. I think I, I feel like when I when I watch him in the post, he he moves really well. Very skilled, yeah, for sure. Um he's super coordinated. Yes. He he's very, very coordinated. Um anything to plug before we go? Twitter handles, stories coming up, programming Story. for for the show. I don't like, know. Like the written word? Yeah, I don't know. You're writing novels these days. I don't. Do know I do, do I do that anymore? I don't know. You you still do that? <laughs> I do it I, too much. I just talk at people now, which I is terrible because I'm I'm an awful talker. I'm gonna have <laughs> carpal tunnel by the time I'm 28 years old. <laughs> Sign you up for it? No, just uh, on Twitter. I'm at Fox Sports Foster, and uh, if you ever want to check out views from the other side. Like uh, like Fred said earlier, I'm the host of the Locked On Clippers podcast, so would love to hear from you guys. Listen to DJ; it's uh, it's a very good podcast, and DJ and I go all the way back to the Willie Green days. That's right. <laughs> uh, before we head out, just a reminder: with things dying down, I'm going to take a little time off to start next week. So next week, there's only going to be one show. That's going to be Thursday morning. This is Locked On Thunder, not Locked On Clippers. After that, I'm going to two shows a week until the middle of September because. Things are dying down in the NBA, and there's just not that much. So shows are going to run on Tuesdays and Thursday mornings. I may throw in a couple extra shows from there if there's breaking news or if there's something newsworthy or something like that. Uh, but once you know, preview season preview stuff kicks off in the middle of September, it'll probably be around then. I'm going to head back to the same format I've been doing, so that's going to be weekday. Weekdays, every single day, Monday through Friday. If you're subscribed to the show, you'll be all good on getting those on iTunes or Audio Boom or wherever else you, 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 you get those shows. I'm going to put it on Stitcher. DJ, you on Stitcher? Where are you on? Uh, I, I, I signed up for it, and I, I don't really understand it. <laughs> I'm going to work on that. You're much more organized the the Locked on Thunder podcast. you got like a schedule, and you tell them when to listen. I'm just like, hey, it's going to show up at some point. I hope you listen. Um <laughs> I'm on iTunes, so that's cool. There you go. I never, yeah. I never thought that one day I'd be on iTunes. It's kind of cool, right? It is. It is. I, I, I didn't think that I would be legitimate enough to be on iTunes. I figured I would like have a WordPress blog and people would go to it to listen there on the embed. Sure. And that would well, be it. Thanks for having me on, Fred. 
Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. Uh, remember, you can head to iTunes and subscribe to Locked On Thunder or Locked On Clippers there. If you have questions or comments, email LockedOnThunder at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter at Fred Katz, F-R-E-D-K-A-T-Z, and log on to NormanTranscript.com for all your Thunder needs and check out my blog there, Thunder Road, to follow team coverage and what's next for the Thunder. That's going to do it for today. I'm back with you all the way on Thursday for more NBA talk. DJ is just back whenever the heck he's back. That's right. Until next time, though, Locked on Thunder is locking up. Mm-hmm.